Hi guys, welcome to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host as always, Steve Hall, and I'm joined today by Brian Cran, and I'm very excited to be with Brian. Uh, I have been following his work for a fair while. Uh, I came across Brian with Scott Tuzanar. I am both great guys, and we had Scott back on. I mean, one of the first episodes of the podcast had Scott back on, and um, I think Brian has great writing, and I've interacted with him on Facebook, and he's just a very interesting character, and I think throws some interesting thoughts into the field, especially for this podcast, mm. in which we have people who are very um, evidence-based and love the science, mm. and Brian kind of uses that in combination with his experience and his own yeah. thoughts and things like this. So I think Brian would be someone very interesting to talk to. Mm. To give a bit of background to Brian, um, he's been a personal trainer since 1997 and has a certificate Ooh. of strength of... Uh, he's a certified strength and conditioning specialist uh, through the NSCA. It's just so you, yeah. he has two university degrees, um, but they are non-fitness areas. So I have, a, I have a degree and it's not fitness-based either. So I can kind of... <laughs> I, I'm with you on that. I kind of in many ways wish I did have a fitness-based degree, but in the end, it doesn't seem to have held us back. Yeah. So like I said, fitness writer, blogger, online physique coach, um, and in his own words, a semi-serious physique athlete. So yeah. like many of our listeners... <laughs> Loves being lean, muscular, and athletic, um, but doesn't compete. Well, so, athletic? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was your own words. These these are from your website. So, oh fuck! I said I was athletic. Oh yeah, okay. Well, I'll edit that one. <laughs> yeah, I think um, if we're if you've been like after muscular growth long enough, and you don't do anything else, you don't really have any athleticism about you. <laughs> so, oh, sorry. sorry to interrupt your momentum. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> I feel like, you know, Donald Trump with Mike Pence is talking. I'm getting <laughs> pumped up here. It's just, anyway. Um, the only thing I wanted to add to that was um, you have two bulldogs that you're a father to, which I thought was just, it's just nice and interesting. I know Mike Re- Isratel's recently got a bulldog as well. So um, everyone really? who's fairly muscular and hench seems to be getting on that. <laughs> well, Mike looks like a bulldog. So I think that's, that's a, true. <laughs> that's a worthy investment. So I don't oh, know okay. if you want to kind of tell the audience anything more about yourself. That was just a bit of a brief background. Yeah. No, I, I I was just laughing at your intro because I was my my first year is in psychology and uh, a while ago I went back to I went back home to see my parents and and you know the house where I grew up and I went into the bathroom downstairs like and there sure enough there's my degree I had hung it over the toilet when I moved <laughs> out and my my mother never really got the joke and certainly didn't appreciate it but that's kind of what I yeah anyway. um, I didn't take it with me it's still there it's still hanging there so. Um, at some point, I'll have to clean out my uh, my psychology degree. Then I went back and got an English one. And that's that's been equally valuable because now I count reps. But uh, oh well, what are you going to do? To be fair, psychology and I mean the the writing element they can only have helped you in the field. So um, yeah, I have a degree in geography with business, so I don't feel like that's as applicable. <laughs> geography of business. Well, I thought you said geology. We used to call it geology uh, oh. rocks for rocks for jocks. Oh, yeah. all, the, all the football players majored in geology, but uh, all right, geography. That's that's good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I have no idea where places are. It was like human geography, so yeah, very unhelpful right now. But uh, it teaches you how to read research at least yeah. a little bit, and it teaches you oh, yeah. how to work and dedicate yourself to a goal. So, um, but anyway, to delve into mm-hmm. the the first topic. Something I loved is your perspective, and I think you and Scott talked about this on your podcast potentially, was kind of, you see these guys talking about the grind, the hardship of the gym, and how like, it, as if it's something that is 
yeah. painful and yeah. like and I loved your perspective so I love you to just yeah. talk to that yeah. a little bit okay well well first I the last thing I want to do is make light of like how difficult like the a contest diet is and I've never competed in the bodybuilding contest and you know I've never been as lean as you I mean I look at you and you're like you are like you know fuck do you get amazing conditioning thank you and so like I'm not I'm not going to tell you about uh, you know how, how painful the you know long for long dieting can be, um, but at the same time, having having been on this planet for long enough, um, I can tell you that like that seeing it as a, this grind and as this you know this this painful thing that you're you know you have to do oh I got I have to get up at four and I have to do my cardio and then I gotta then I have to prep all my food and then I fucking then I have to go to the gym and oh my god and I'm so tired and. And these are all realities, and yeah, it sucks. But the more you kind of see things as this have to, as this have to, you, you kind of divorce yourself from all the um, first the reality that you fucking chose this. Like this is you know this is something you elected to do, you opted to do because you wanted the challenge or you wanted to change your body or whatever. Um, and you also remove yourself from just like seeing what an amazing privilege it is. Like like look at what you you know. You get to micromanage your diet to the point that like you can change your body on like almost on a daily basis, especially as lean as you do. Like you, you get to like completely change your physical destiny and like and no one else can, you know, you know, whether you're working a full-time job or two jobs or have a family, like you can control this and you know, make this your little passion and, and maybe even make this your business. Like there's all these positives attached to it. But if you only see like the shitty parts, like, you know, being hungry and, you know, brain fog and all, you know, all the stuff, cooking and cleaning, you know, that's my, my thing was always like, I would, especially in the depths of a diet was always like the food prep and especially the cleaning after like, that'd be like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, fuck, you know, I would, I would be that guy who go, you know what? I just don't want to, I just don't want to eat. Not because I'm not, hungry, <laughs> just, I don't, I don't want to have to cook and I don't want to clean that freaking frying pan again, you know, especially but anyway, like just these little things, if you if you jump on that train, it can quickly take you in, down that, that path where this becomes this obligation. And, and the bottom line is people want to do what they want to do. Yeah. They don't want to do what they have to do. I mean, yeah, like there's something romantic about, you know, living, you know, a, a selfless life, but this is not a selfless pursuit. Like, so if you see this as like this, this incredible, you know, chore that you have to go on, you'll burn out. And you might be able to do one show or get into great shape once or twice, but you're not going to be able to sustain this for a decade and certainly not for two decades and make it like part of your lifestyle. You can't live every single day in drudgery. So, I mean, I really try to like spin people out of that. No, I completely agree. I think, yeah. um, so you probably might be similar, but I sometimes have clients who will have that kind of mindset on it and, I kind of want to snap them out of it and be like, but this is all a choice. This is something you actually yeah. want to do. This is yeah. a positive thing. And um, I guess that's where some of the psychology comes in. But especially during the dark times in prep, if you yeah. just view everything like I have to get my steps in or I have to do this cardio. It's like, yeah. no, like this is hard, but don't let it defeat you. Kind of use that as like, this isn't hard. I could do way yeah. more than this. So no, I like that perspective. Yeah. Well, yeah. And at the same time too, like I, you know, we all, if, if you're coaching people for a living and you know people are paying you for your service like you're 
those people are, are intelligent, hardworking, professional people. And, and as soon as you start playing the, hey man, you wanted to do this. You know, like I've never say that to somebody because of course they, fuck, they fucking know they wanted to. Like, <laughs> I don't have to remind them of that. You know, they see the money come out of their account every month. I don't have to remind them of that. But you just have to kind of, what I try to do is just like show them how far they've come. And just especially like, not so much the inches and the pounds and shit like that, but just like, like the decisions they've made. Because sometimes people, they get so, you know, kind of focused on, on the processes that we all talk about. You know, got to focus on the process, but they, for, they kind of miss all these amazing things that are kind of happening to them. And just, you know, kind of somewhat related to this whole thing they're going through, like maybe... Oh man, like they're, they're, like they're spending more time with their family because they're going for walks, or they're all eating together as a family, you know, and and they're, or they're. Uh, also, I've had clients say, "Oh, I'm cooking with my wife now, and it's kind of fun." And you know, some people get really into food tracking; they see it as a game, and they and like there's all these other little benefits that you just don't notice unless you kind of like basically get your head out of your ass yeah. and see everything else that's going around. So yeah, I think I try. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think there's kind of for a lot of people that initial learning curve where they go through these things and it's not fun and it is a bit hard. But then once you get through that and it just becomes like a day to day thing. I know I don't know about yourself, but I've been at like weddings where people are like and I've been in prep. I was at a wedding and people are like, how do you have the determination to like not drink alcohol? And like, like you must be so determined. I'm just like, I don't even think about it. It's just I'm just there enjoying the occasion. I don't need to drink. Yeah. Yeah, like that's a level of mastery that, um, uh, you know, I'm still aspiring to. Like um, like once you don't even have to think about it mm. and it's just part of your natural uh, wiring, like then you've kind of like you've reached you've reached a really high level. I don't know what the word would be, but <laughs> I guess you're self-actualized as a meathead. I don't know. Um, I still have trouble with that, especially mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm very much um, – if I get stressed, I want to eat. Um, if I get, you know, something knocks me off, like if I have too much work going on or I'm not sleeping well, I want to eat. And also if I'm in a really uh, celebratory environment, like a wedding, especially it's one of my, like one of my friends from back home, like, fuck, I forget all my, like my newly acquired programming and I want to drink. I'm Canadian. I want to drink beer. I want to swear. I want to, you know, do all sorts of stuff. Like, it's just very easy for me to get into that old habit. So in a way I'm. I'm right in there with my clients. Like, I'm just like, okay, you know, these are these, you know, little survival strategies you have to employ, you know? Um, so like props to you if you're at that level. I mean, it, cause it is, it's, it's a hard, man. No, it is. But sometimes I, uh, I personally get a bit envious of someone like yourself where I almost yeah. can't actually switch off. So it's at a point where I'm like, yeah. I'm so, in that that i can't be flexible so i like i love people who can actually switch between the two but that in itself i think is even like another level of like mastery (laughs) yeah that's you know what that is an interesting point i've never i've never really thought of that like um i've always like one of the again just even though i'm still very much a work in progress like one thing that has been really helpful for me was um just doing a lot more traveling um, you know, just outside of North America and outside of like, you know, I don't want to say civilization, that sounds terrible, but like, like going to Asia and stuff like right. that and just seeing how, how other cultures eat or going to places where there's, where poverty's rampant yeah. and just, you know, just seeing different perspectives on food and, and just, you know, when food isn't as abundant and, and, and food isn't like, 
it's just not a given when like when people just operate differently mm-hmm. and it's like food is respected more and it's just I don't know like I don't have the I don't have the the, the depth of knowledge to, to say why but it, it like for me as a coach and as a you know small b bodybuilder um, that was really really enlightening it's just that you know, Back here, like people focus so much on it, it's like it's like a hockey expression. They they grip the stick too tight, right? You know, and they get too tense, and they don't make good natural decisions, like just in line with what their body is telling them. Like all that stress and all that hyper focus kind of gets in the way of just you know feeding themselves. Mm-hmm. So, like when I traveled a lot, and and especially when I've gone away for a long time, completely just un you know un what's forgotten all the rules, like right. and just you know not trained just just eat. It's really kind of like, kind of taught me what that's like again, you know. I guess that's along the lines of kind of the, the trend that's coming along yeah. right now, which is like the intuitive eating and everything and how oh difficult that is to actually even contemplate thinking about doing for anyone right now who's in the countries we live in, I guess in other yeah. countries. I mean, are they even intuitively eating if they just don't have food available? It's kind of like <laughs> they're just eating when they can. Yeah, that's, you know, that's it's not a you know, bit of gallows humor, but you can't call it intuitive eating if you have no food around you. Yeah. Yeah, that's thrown around a lot in our industry. Oh, I'm trying to learn to eat intuitively. And, and, and again, I think that's a very good aspirational yeah. goal. Um, and it's something like I tell my clients all the time. I, I say, you know, I don't track my food. I don't track my food. But what I'll, until I have to kind of thing. Yeah. It, it's, um, I think it's a good idea to you know, just get off those training wheels and see how you can fare just you know, estimating your portion sizes and just – you know, doing all those basic rules like like you know whole foods, you know portion, yeah. you know fist palm, all that stuff, and seeing how you fare for a few weeks. And most people kind of well, they kind of stumble, some you know freaking crash and burn. But the trick is to then go back to your rules, you know, kind of clean up your bad habits, and then try again, you know. And uh, but this thinking like intuitively, like again, that's like that's Jedi shit. Like that's stuff you have to really, really be good at before you can you know before you can try that yeah no i think it's just like how a meal plan can kind of be like a bit of a training wheels towards using yeah. a bit of a like my fitness power and then you slowly yeah. remove the training wheels and then you might have to put them back on as you kind of are stumbling a little yeah. bit so no i like that perspective and um something along the sort of lines a bit kind of psychology based was i had a quote from one of your um facebook posts which i thought was really great and it was talking about how Uh, after so many years having traveled down all the rabbit holes i can tell you if your goal is to largely look good naked the experienced meatheads are the best still the best mentors um and i wanted to kind of delve into who those mentors for you are um who you look towards because i know off air we were talking about how kind of you really like the the science brad schoenfeld mike israel you love the scientists but sometimes people get a bit too lost within that and then you have the meatheads and you've talked I know in your kind of writing and things, you kind of show a bit of love towards the bros and all of that sort of thing. So I'd love to hear kind of, yeah, who, who the mentors are and things like that. Well, it's funny. Like my, my, my mentors in that regard would be no one that, uh, no one you'd have heard of. It's, it's just guys, guys that I've known who've been able to train consistently for 20 plus years because Here's the thing, like the secret, the big secret, and I'm actually going to write about this, is if 
you work hard. Like you bust your ass. I don't like I'm, you don't have to throw around an acronym like your RPE or something like that. Like if you bust your ass, relatively speaking, consistently for 10 to 20 years and you don't take extended breaks and you, you kind of keep that passion alive, you will get reasonably close to your goals. Like yeah, I've just seen it time and time again. And so when you boil, basically when you look at all the great physiques, if you boil down the things that they have in common apart from genetics, it's consistency and hard work over time. Like that is the most important ingredient. So what I do is I look to people who've been able to achieve that. Like not so much what, what they've been able to achieve physically, but just mm -hmm. like who's been able to train consistently and hard for decades? Who's been able to do that? And what have they got in common? And it's just invariably it's these meatheads and they and they've got this this incredible passion that most of these guys will go through divorces and they'll go through job change and they'll go through children. Like children turns your life upside down. You know? I bet. But you know, and the, and all the usual things that, you know, you know, you know, parents dying and all, all the normal life stresses, they will go through all that and, you know, they'll ebb and flow and they'll, but they'll still keep inching forward. And when you, so when you look at these guys and figure out that their passion comes from just a joy in the process, you know, they've reached a level that they might weigh themselves occasionally and, and take their waist measurements, make sure everything's in check. But even if they didn't have any of that data, they would still keep fucking training. Mm -hmm. You know, even if they didn't have a mirror in their gym, they'd still keep fucking training because they've, they've reached this, this, this wellspring of motivation. And like, that's where in my own way, where I've tried to find that in my, like in myself, I'm like, I'm always trying to make improvements in my physique and, you know, stay healthy as I get older, all that jazz. But I'm always trying to, channel that joy mm -hmm. that's just completely separate from the, the results so that's the thing getting back to your question like that's what older meatheads can offer you so they figured that out on their own yeah you know like and they're, they're even as they're getting older and their bodies aren't quite the same their skin's starting to sag and all that shit they're still they're still juiced about this you know yeah i don't it's, know if the John Meadows would be appropriate. I feel like he's maybe not that old to, to bring up, but um, I think I'm fucking older than him. Actually, I don't I'm, have to check. I'm actually yeah. not sure his age, but I, I guess like Brad Schoenfeld again. Just people I know yeah. off the top of my head are yeah. kind of meatheads still training. Um, yeah. Like Jeff Alberts is again not old. Um, he's in the, like older than a lot of the younger guys who are now doing natural bodybuilding. And he's a great yeah. character for kind of talking about longevity and how he's been able to consistently yeah. put in the hard work. So, um, no, I love that message. And look at what, the, what those guys, I don't know. I don't know any of them very well personally. Yeah. Um, but if you look at them all, what they have in common is that they've taken, like, they start out with a singular passion of bodybuilding, like building their bodies. And then they let it evolve into something that's bigger than them. Okay, that's another thing I'm writing about. Like um, a perfect example at a much higher scale than those, those guys, it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay, yeah. you know, just all about building his body ever since he was like 14. And then I think he retired the first time when he's what 28, so he kind of reached already the pinnacle. Yeah, and then he went back, you know, whatever. But then he took those principles that he learned building his body and he did it. And he made a switch and went to acting, still very much about building yeah. his body, like, like staying jacked. Like, and then from there, though, he kind of let it go. And then it was 
politics and now with stuff on gerrymandering like he's always evolving like using the same kind of principles he developed as a bodybuilder so you look at guys like you know um, like Brad Schoenfeld now he's an educator you know yeah. from bodybuilding now he's an educator and helping other trainers and same with John like helping so many people um, and Jeff is just like phenomenal coach you know working with so many people and they're just but they, they're still bodybuilders but they've let the process evolve them mm-hmm. rather than just like kind of just competing in shows or yeah. you know what I mean yeah no I see that and part of what I see I think is it's a bit of the, and again, we were talking about this a little bit off air. I think it's related, like the analysis by like paralysis by analysis, sorry, yeah. where you get all these younger guys who are yeah. getting into like bodybuilding, into yeah. physique shows, and they're like talking about RPEs and like yeah. set volumes, <laughs> and they're getting very much into periodization. It's like, yeah. and it's almost causing them yeah. to lose the process and lose that kind of yeah. effort idea, that hard work and consistency, and they're just like program hopping or whatever it might yeah. be. And I can see that being, it's very frustrating. And I know you've got some frustration about it yourself. (laughs) Well, it's always like we were kind of talking before. um, Like, forgive me, RP, was that Mike Zudros? Yeah, Mike, uh, no, sorry, Mike Deschurda. Okay, Okay, like just, it's like a super helpful concept, you know, and just change programming for so many people made it so simple, but it's always it's always people who are kind of on the hobbyist end or they're just kind of getting into it they 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 take a good idea and they run with it way too far they run with it like through, you know, past the goal line through the end zone into the visitors changing room out the parking lot like there's no context in that like i don't know like i, I try not to poke fun at people on facebook but i i recall a few weeks ago somebody was saying you know i, I try to train with an rpe of, of seven to 7.5 but some days man I just got to bring out the eights and I just don't know, you know, I just don't know if I'm, you know, in, you know, inhibiting my recovery and my, my, it's always my androgen levels. And, you know, I'm just sitting here going, I don't want, I don't want to blast this kid because he's, you know, he just doesn't know yet. Yeah. And, uh, and I can just picture whoever the gentleman was who coined RP just going, no, 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 no. <laughs> like these are all just helpful tools yeah. to, you know, um, but anyway, and I'm, I can remember clearly when I was, Kind of, you know, still us very much a wannabe bodybuilder. And I remember I had this job where I had this opportunity to frequently meet like really good physique athletes. And I remember going for lunch with this one gentleman, he's already in his forties, and I remember him just peppering him with questions about, okay, man, like, you know, because you know, sometimes I know you should train heavy because that's like what keeps the muscle and that's what builds the density. And I think I even fucking said I don't know if I said sarcoplastic hypertrophy. I don't know, mm-hmm. but um, but I also know you have to go for you know go for a pump and what happens when you start dieting. And I remember he was just sitting here going and just trying to enjoy a meal. <laughs> and uh, and by the end of it all, he was just like, just relax, take a step back, follow a good program, focus on progression, find a way of progressing, and focus on that, and stop stressing about all the details. You yeah. know, and. Uh, I remember feeling like years later thinking about like, oh man, I was, you know, I was way too keen to have lunch with this guy. (laughs) No, it does. The the thought that springs to mind is like, you just don't get it. And I think there's quite a lot of the younger people who are trying to really grasp it and get it and overcomplicating things that don't need to be as complicated as they are. And 
we get the the RPE scale, which is an incredibly useful like yeah. tool. And yeah. um, Mike Israel's MRV and the volume landmarks again, yeah. I like them. Yeah. They're great conceptual tools, but people yeah. get very like, okay, my MRV <laughs> is exactly this for this body part and they try and program exactly yeah. for it and then yeah. it's like they're not listening or gauging progress they're just looking mm. at this one yeah. thing and getting hampered down in that yeah and and i've man like i say i've fallen kind of victim to that and even as a coach i've gotten there have been times where i've been a little bit too hot and horny for my own program when you have to always look at the feedback you're getting and yeah. go like i know like mike's put out tons of work saying okay the the MRV for deltoids, I think he'll talk about the frequency like four to six times a week, you know, and that's, but then you can't just apply that to everybody. You, you, you use that as a guide. I can, I think, you know, I think this can work, but then you have to always factor in context. Okay. I'm working with Mrs. Jones. She's 55 years old. Okay. So she probably, this isn't going to be applicable to her. Yeah. And on a, you know, on a less absurd level, like, you know, even, you know, some, some people just respond better to intensity and, and some people respond better to volume and some people respond better to variety. And even if it's not a physiologic, this is where I fucking want to plant my flag. Even if it's not a physiological basis for it, if they think they respond better to it, they, they just, yeah. you know, and then you've got to kind of cultivate that because they're, they're, they're buying in. So fuck, if you got some buy in there, I'm like, okay, there's other ways you can, like if someone always says, you know what, as soon as I train heavy, man, I get burnt out and I get sick. Even if you're kind of in the back of your mind, you're full of shit, you know, but if that's what they really believe, yeah, you can kind of deprogram their thinking and stuff like that. But, you know, maybe let a prof do that. Like, yeah. why not kind of take what they're giving you and just, you know, make it better say, okay, if that's the way you feel. I can work with that. Then you kind of slowly bring them back to reality. Yeah. Like I do, you know, I, I probably do this with, at least once a week where someone comes in with all this things that they know work for them. Yeah. And like, yeah, I could, I could spend my time just shooting holes in them or I can kind of like take what I can agree with yeah. and work it into my system. And then, you know, maybe slowly indoctrinate them into a different way of thinking or basically it's coaching. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. And I think, I don't know, to put it into something more familiar for maybe listeners, it's kind of like having a, a t-shirt with the Nike tick on it versus a t-shirt with just, um, just a blank t-shirt. Whereas the yeah. one with the Nike tick, you're like, oh, that, that's a higher quality, better t-shirt. Potentially it even is. I, I, I didn't mean to pick Nike. I should have picked a different brand seeing as you've got the tick on. Um, but like, I, I know I buy into brands. Like if I have like an Apple Mac, then I'm going to think that's going to be better than like my, like a, a cheaper brand. Whereas it could be the same one. It's just the branding on it. Like a coach could just be there and you trust the coach and you believe in them. So anything they give you, you're like, you've got a lot of belief behind it. And that goes a long, long way. Just like you're speaking about, I think to then take that. And I've, I've done the same with clients who maybe don't know, they love yeah. proteins. So they've got a hugely yeah. high protein intake. And I'll, I'll use that. I'll be like, right, we can use that and we can just change and modify a few things, maybe slowly taper it towards what I think might work better. Um, yeah. Oftentimes, like they already, they know their bodies. There's individualization like we we're talking about. It's just, it's a huge thing that people don't respect. Yeah. Oh, totally, totally. Like, it's funny, it's funny is you bring up Apple and I was just pulling my hair out. Like what happened to Apple that I have to, a dongle, I have to turn my office upside down to find a dongle. <laughs> So I could use my my wired headset in anyway. It's just I remember just 
they jumped the dongle was their shark jumping over, <laughs> I tell you. Um, but yeah, like people come in um, people come in with, with not only, only from like with different goals and, and different um, limitations and different training histories. They come with so much mental programming that um, I've had just a lot more success just kind of just finding the where, where we have a common ground and just rather than arguing everything. Like if I read one more st- thing about fasted cardio and all that, like just if someone wants to fucking do it fasted, like, like why, why try to undermine them right away? Like that if it fits their schedule, yeah. you know, if they get up, maybe they it's, it allows them to get in cardio before a work day and, you know, it creates a, 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 a shorter eating window. If you get what I'm saying, like, like the, why, why try to like throw that under the bus? Mm-hmm. Like, well, you know, anyway. So that's that's the first thing I always look for is is how I can take their individual context and, and fit my plan to it rather than always fit them into my plan. Yeah. Like, like someone asked me what my program was. <laughs> I'm like, my program? I'm like, fuck. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I do know. Like, I, I had a guy help me just make a bunch of uh, training templates. Mm-hmm. You know, because everyone starts off with a basic, when you, especially the weight training, so you start with a basic template. You know, maybe it's according to like the goals of the days per week or, or stuff like that. But every single one I've had to modify so much. I don't, I, I just have clients. I don't like, yeah. I don't even have, you know, I don't have a single program or a single template. I just have a, I just have a shit ton of files, yeah. you know? So. No, that's exactly right. It's like, um, I mean, talking about evidence-based practice again, we yeah. science is like the foundation and then you move from there. So you're creating yeah. and likewise, I, yeah. I do the same. I create a template that I think is going to work yeah. well for the client and then you check yeah. in, see how they're doing, you evolve it yeah. and you individualize it over time and that's what yeah. everyone needs to do and for themselves and not get kind of lost with things. I definitely think that's a great approach and um, yeah. actually this kind of brings me to a point I wanted to touch on which I, I liked. It was one of your posts again about kind of a different way of um, programming for hypertrophy, just changing angles, grips, foot position, yeah. rather than complete exercises. And oh, yeah. I don't know if you want to touch on that, but maybe just yeah. overall philosophies yeah. for muscular hypertrophy that you have um, for your clients, what you kind of look towards. Yeah, that was another big lesson that I kind of learned that, because um, I was a, like you mentioned, I was a on the floor trainer for fucking years. And, uh, then went away from that, especially when my wife started traveling for school and then got into writing and, and, and still obviously still training myself and stuff. And um, then as I got into online programming, um, I don't know where I was going with this, but one thing I noticed the train was you, people always say, oh, you get a new program. I want a new program every month. Well, people started, sorry, coaches started offering, you get a new program every month. Mm-hmm. And this kind of got drilled it was an interesting phenomenon. It kind of got drilled into the industry that because you get a new program every month, therefore that's new programs every month are the way to go. Yeah. Okay. And I started offering it. And then I realized like, I don't do this with anyone I'm coaching. Like, like I like, like previously or certainly not with myself. What I do is, and I've since changed my business and this is how we roll now is, figure out someone's goal, their lifestyle, their context, all that shit on the front end. Mm-hmm. You design the program and then at first you make all sorts of changes because there's invariably, oh, I can't do this or I don't want to do this or whatever. And every exercise is just a tool unless you're, unless it's powerlifting, yeah. you have to, you know. So you make those necessary changes 
you settle in and then you fucking work the program you get better at it so if you're doing the same program for 16 weeks and you're still you know, getting an extra rep here and there you're getting better pumps you're doing it faster it just feels it's the beautiful thing about hypertrophy training the frustrating thing is that it's not always on the logbook but sometimes it just feels like it's fucking working yeah if you're if you're getting that from it you don't want to change it so my thing is you you work out the bugs and then you focus on progressing yeah and so and but you still want to have a little bit of variation in there so that's where things like you know going from like a you know supinated dumbbell curl to a hammer curl or just like little slight changes that adjust you know the biomechanics you know even if it's not Again, even if it's just a mental thing, if it increases your engagement, you're going to increase focus and that's what is going to lead to progress. So, and then there's like mitigating long-term injuries, things like I'm fucking old. So if I do too much, you know, reverse grip work, like brachialis specific stuff, my elbows start to bark. So I work in a lot of plan variation uh, for that. Um, uh, Ditto with hinge movements. I'll rarely do the same hinge movement twice in a row. Excuse me. Or like, uh, or if I get on a, if I'm planning to be on a plane, uh, I don't squat or deadlift before I before I get on it or after I get on. Just the little things like that. Like you work, you know, work variation in that way. But very rarely will I be like, okay, it's week four, you know, change things completely. Like I don't, I don't think I ever do that. It's like, okay, what worked, what didn't work, what can I build on? Like what's obviously not working. Yeah, we'll just shit can that entirely. So yeah, I think. It's a it's a kind of a bit sad, although the internet's probably pr- proliferated it a little bit in terms of like the monthly changing of programs. Because oh, as yeah. a like, it's easy to satisfy people in many ways because it's like, oh, I've progressed with that for a bit. Yeah. Now I can progress with this, and they're kind of getting that false yeah. progression with things where they're just kind of learning it. Really, they're not actually progressing. Um, so yeah. it takes a good coach, a well-educated coach, to realize yeah. that. It is only tweaks that need, like the overall principle of yeah. the program isn't changing. You might just change a bit of a repetition range, a bit yeah. of an exercise here or there. And I can talk to like, I love squatting, um, but varying yeah. the actual squat that I do, whether it be like a back squat to a front squat, slightly closer stance, yeah. or like a, even Smith machine squats I f- fell in love with. Yeah. That has been like a game changer for recovery and fatigue management. Mm-hmm. So I can definitely kind of speak to that. Oh, totally, totally. Especially... Again, we start working with people who are a little beat up or, or they're just – because when someone's new, like, fuck, everything works for them. Yeah. You know, like, like, it's just – that's the one area where if you're working with someone brand new, you just put them on a good program, you know, and, and just let them kind of get used to the exercises. And a good, well-designed program is going to work. But when someone is a little bit further along and they have more limitations or they're kind of past that initial, that initial like, everything's easy stage – you got to get a little bit more hands-on and, and it's not, everything doesn't follow a flow chart. Um, you know, sometimes you, you, I put people on, <laughs> I've had, a, I design programs for people and I look at their progress. And I'm like, fuck, I got to do that program. <laughs> like, like, fuck, like, and other, you know, and other times you put them on something great and it just doesn't work. And then you have to figure out like, why, like yeah. what's, you know, what went wrong. Awesome. And yeah. I think you have posted on this as well, and it relates to what we're talking about is kind of um, the best books of learning how to make yeah. gains. And like, if you do know those books offhand, if you have any yeah. kind of just take homes that you have 
from those books that you learned that you kind of have applied to your training and worked really well? You know, I'm a really big fan of getting a lot of different sources of influence, but just even stuff like I have books that are 90% bullshit, yeah. you know, but I just love them because, um, I, I find value them in just in, in things, maybe not so much with the programming, mm-hmm. especially like I just, I'm speaking directly more like to like old, like bodybuilders who write books. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to name names, but you look at it and go, okay, this is kind of bullshit. Like, yeah. never, but then you look at the physique and you're like, all right, well, dude's doing something right. Yeah. So what I like to do is I'll sometimes buy stuff from just complete, like the shittiest weeder books, ghostwritten by who knows who, but, and I'll buy them and I'll just look for stuff that's, it's kind of like makes doesn't like not that I laugh at like just stuff that makes me raise an eyebrow going huh like how did you reach this conclusion yeah and that's you know so it's not like oh he says do you know concentration curls to build the peak for the biceps yeah I know that's bullshit but you look for things that are a little bit more subtle that you know it's typically it's in um, the rituals that people do mm-hmm. that's where you see a lot of kind of uh, subtle genius. Yeah. that you can take away and, and apply to coaching. But um, to answer your question, like, um, I think you need a strong, you don't have to be a freaking doctor, but you need a strong, like, basic understanding of anatomy. Um, some, like, and then you need some good standard programming books, like um, Ending by Ripito, like, yeah. you know, Starting Strength, Practical Programming, like, just, these are just great books. Um, you know, Brad's work, obviously, is, you know, Pretty much unimpeachable. So I mean, that, these are great, like foundational things yes. to kind of get. And then from there, though, if you really want to spread your wings, um, like it's so important to like. I love training with big jack meatheads, um, even if what they do would you know won't work for me, and I don't have the the real estate and all that to compete with them. Again, I just I look for things that go beyond the sets and the reps and the programming. To influence like like what can I take away you know like uh, I remember a story are you know John Romanello oh yeah I know John yeah yeah <laughs> he's telling me uh, he, when he was living in Venice he was training at Gold's and um, you know he's John he's always on his phone and he's, he's farting around on his phone and he looks up and uh, Will Harris who's I think competes at 350 pounds or 300 wow. pounds uh, looks over at him and he's like if you're going to be on your phone while you're sitting on the hammer strength back machine, goes you're going to do a set for me, and <laughs> and, and Will put it through a set like John said he almost freaking died. It was like like this <laughs> trip like ten drops drop set on a hammer strength machine, and it just you know part of it is having fun with him, but it's just like it's just it was, it was kind of a kick in the ass that he needed at the time, just because you know you know John had his heart as a bodybuilder, and when he's yeah. kind of like lost you know he lost it there, and. Um, I love putting myself in those situations. Like if I can, if I can go to a gym and train with the biggest juiced up freak, freak show, I will do it because I will learn something, you know? Um, so I think everyone should train with people who are just exceptionally further along with them. Um, get coached by someone who's an excellent coach mm-hmm. um, and just buy in and just even that's different than what you know and to see how they, how they kind of take you through things. Um, what else is like that's probably been my biggest teachers no it's and just yeah I was just gonna say it's really interesting um, I've recently been watching a lot of uh, Tom Platt's uh, just oh, because yeah. he's an yeah. interesting guy and uh, yeah. 
his yeah. quads i mean speak for themselves and yeah. i i mean i do some of the same things as you do kind of i i kind of like yeah. oh i'm a bit yeah. i'm not sure how i feel about how he's doing those yeah. like extensions and <laughs> um but yeah. they, they just i mean some of what they do is they just go to places that most people don't yeah. go they push themselves in ways that other people don't and the only thing i often find myself feeling with that is i don't know how they don't burn out and i guess yeah. i don't know if the the drugs yeah. play a role there and as a natural you might yeah. have to kind of tone it down a little bit um yeah. and it's finding that balance between the two because I, I know brad's done lots of work on like training to yeah. failure and things like that i don't know if you've got any opinions on kind of where yeah. the sweet spot lies well yeah like definitely the drugs play a huge role and and certainly genetics i mean i remember reading something from tom where he said you know the greatest legs probably of all time and, and he said people are always asking he said this he goes people are always asking me about my squatting how i squat how much i squat where how often i squat how did i build my legs and he's like i could have just rode a bike really hard <laughs> and, he goes, and then i would have had very developed legs because yeah. he goes, he goes I, I just find it you know people should ask me how did i build my arms you know and how did i build my shoulders because the point being like if you're so from such blessed genetic stock what you do is just as long as you're working hard it's gonna fucking work yeah and then you throw in the recovery agents and yeah it's just like programming kind of flows flies out the window you know it's just it's still important but this is not as important so as someone who's natural or so, or just from very you know kind of average genetic stock it's not so much, oh, look how hard he takes his set. I mean, that's part of it. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, look at, you know, his exercise selection. It's, again, it's the biggest takeaway is, is the, the approach to the set. And, um, and it's funny, like, as, like I go to all these different gyms and, and I never judge people by what they do. And I certainly don't judge trainers unless they're doing something that's cockamamie. But I always watch for that, 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 that point of intention, like when someone yep. approaches their set really intentionally, like that is kind of the missing link. And you'll find that these people who are really exceptionally developed, drugs or not, genetics or not, they have that gear that they get into. And again, it's not so much doing 30 reps when they should have stopped at 12. It's just, even if they're just doing those 12 reps, they do them with intention. And, you know, not necessarily perfect form. It's just, it's not that. It's something I wish I could enunciate it better. It's just a level of focus, you know, that is so necessary, especially with hypertrophy, especially when you're trying to like coax your body out of its, you know, proverbial comfort zone. You need to get to that spot. And I just think that we've oversimplified it a little bit. We think that, oh, that's just working super fucking hard till you like have an aneurysm. It's like, no, that's not it. You know, it's not even necessarily going to total failure. Mm -hmm. It's just taking that target muscle and exhausting it just to the point where you've kind of, you've done the job, yeah. you know, and then maybe, maybe you try a little bit more, maybe not. And it's, and when you reach, when you allow yourself to kind of develop that skill, that now you're on track to listening to your body and now you can be like as soon as you pick up a heavy set of dumbbells you're about to do i don't know lateral raise you'll be like you know what i just don't have it today you know i just you know, just before you do the set you're like i just don't have it today i'm gonna do something else i'm gonna do um i'm gonna do sets of 20 you know or as soon as you put that barbell on your back to squat you only have an empty bar on and you're like you know what it's just 
it's not going to be there once by the time I get to 315 it's going to be garbage mm-hmm. so I'm just going to today I'm going to I'm going to leg press and single leg squat you know you, but you'll never get there unless you kind of find that that level of focus and I think that's what the truly great people have mm-hmm. and yeah and the really really great ones have the genetics and the drugs and all that jazz but it's that level of focus that you have to develop no I really like that because the the intent the focus is something I have yeah. definitely learned that kind of seeing intermediate stall out or you see the general population who are in the gym and just going through the motions they don't have that intent that focus and they won't get to the advanced stages within their lifting careers unless they develop it because you can't lift heavy weights without it let alone kind of even developing your calves if you just jump on your your achilles heels you just like oh i did my sets i'm done when you actually focus on it you give every single set intent i think that's an absolute game changer so i love that and it, the thing is, that it all comes back to what we started talking about, you know, an hour ago. And it's that you'll never develop that that respect for that focus if this is always something that you have to do. Yes. Like, ah, oh, fuck, man, I got to go in. I got to, oh, I got to do fucking chest and back today, man. You know, and I, you know, I really got to do this first and do that. And I got to make it home, but I'll, I'll try to squeak this in. And ugh, I just want to take some time off or I want to do this or that. Like, you'll never, because... You'll get to the gym and you'll be like, oh, here I am. Okay, here we go. You know, you know, I'm tired. I'm on low carbs. Okay, here we go. Just get her done. Just get her done. Yeah. You know, and I admire your work ethic and punch the clock and all that jazz, but you will not reach that level of focus if you don't have that like, all right, I'm here, man. I've been looking forward to this. This is something that I've chosen to do. This is something I fucking love doing. And now I'm going to take each set and I'm going to commit to it. I'm going to get everything I can out of it. And so much of training um, when you is what you get out of it beyond the physical like like when my life is upside down and my kids keeping me up and I got all kinds of stress like when I can go to the gym and have a really good focused session it gives me so much more than what I've put in yeah. you know it's just like it's it's beyond therapy you know and i have much respect for for therapy too i do that too but um if i didn't have this in my life i don't know what well i'd be doing something else i guess hopefully but i just you know it's been it's given me so much than more than i've given it and it's beyond just like you know four sets or five or whatever you know macros you know yeah no i absolutely agree and um it does the same for me and i think it it gives a bit of credence to those people have their kind of weird pre-workout rituals and things because they get in the zone they get that into yeah. before they're going to the yeah. gym and then yeah they get into their yeah. workouts and they're not kind of chatting and dilly dallying and on social media they're doing the work yeah. and they're quite intent yeah. so no absolutely loved that yeah. and um i want to thank you for coming on the show and spending some oh. time chatting shop with me and uh, hopefully <laughs> the listeners have enjoyed it um if they do have any questions hopefully you you're happily have them question you um, or like drop some comments (laughs) below. Um, I don't think we've put anything out that's particularly questionable. And yeah, I just want to say a massive shout out to yourself. And if people want to make sure they will kind of find your work, your writing, I know you've got your website, briancaran.com. Is that the best place they can reach out to you? You're on Instagram, Facebook and things. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm on this. That's my website. I I am on Facebook. I'm, I'm getting slowly, slowly more acquainted with Instagram, but I've been told that I put up too many pictures of my dogs and my kid. <laughs> and they're like, why don't you put up any training photos? And I'm like, well, I train alone and I'm not that guy who's like, here, take my phone, take a picture. But I'm working on that. Um, but yeah, so 
Now um, we're going to hound you for them. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they can get me, uh, I'm easy to get all of. Awesome, yeah. 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 I'll make sure that's all linked below so they've got that. Yeah. And uh, if you do ever do more podcasts with Scott Tuzanar, I'm sure the listeners will be interested in hearing those as well. That was, what was the podcast? It was Metabolic Masterpiece, was it? Um, no, what was it? Or did oh, you name it? Shit, I should know this. It's funny because before we got on the air, I was like, oh, I got a podcast with Steve Hall. And he's like, Scott's like, yeah, remember we're supposed to be podcasting sometime? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so you'll be getting yeah, back think, on that. And I'll make sure that's linked below anyway yeah, if we can't remember the name. I think it's called either I think it's called the Modern Muscle Head, and I think Scott changed it to the Physique Mastery Pod. I don't fucking know. Um, Scott, <laughs> we'll link to it. Yeah, yeah, I'll link to it below, and or search Scott Tuzanar or Brian Cryan, and it will come up. So no, that's fantastic. I look forward to those episodes because that's kind of more of what we've been doing, but you do it with Scott. So yeah, thank you very much, and uh, we'll catch you guys soon. Yep, yeah, thank you.